If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be perfectly planned. And here's why. In this episode, we're finding answers to, is there a simple framework that unlocks all TTRPG storytelling? That's a small ask, right? (laughs) And can we plan encounters and adventures without wondering what essential component we might be leaving out? And can we enjoy railroading and give the players plenty of choice at the same time? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. You might notice that there's less disturbing human sounds in today's episode. <laughs> Unintentional disturbing human sound. Well, we got a nice mic upgrade because in for a penny, in for a pound, we want the best for you. <laughs> and also we want to cut out some of those mouth sounds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like... The robustness and the roundness of these mics might make words more fun to hear. (laughs) Pompadour. Alabaster. Ignoramus. Hornswoggle. Anyways. Well, to the meat of today's episode, there's some ideas that we are adapting from the story grid, What Good Editors Know by Sean Coyne. And while that might sound a little dry... It's got some incredible foundational stuff for storytelling that we're going to talk about in this episode, and it's worked its way into our minds, and it's changing the way we've been thinking about game structure. If that title sounds familiar, it's because we've referenced it multiple times during the production of this podcast. I'm sure there's a show probably 20 or 30 back uh, where we probably mentioned this book, but of the D&D books that we think are essential D&D books that are not marketed as D&D <laughs> books in any way, shape, or form, this is probably among the two that we regularly use and love. But I do have a slight bone to pick with this particular book because it's ruined the mystery of good stories for me. That sounds like a you problem. Stay with me on this. It's It's like learning how a magic trick is done. You know, when your uncle pulls the quarter out of your ear and you have to wonder what mythical weave this magical man has tapped into, you know, mystical powers granted to him by some Gandalf-like wizard. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty otherworldly for sure. And then you finally, you, you badger him until he shows you how the trick works and then he's just a two-faced, lying, sack-of-shit, degenerate bastard man that is somehow intending that quarter to be the birthday gift that he gifts to you for that year. <laughs> and the secret of the trick. Well, yes, and then, of course, you'll learn the secret of the trick. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That gut-wrenching disappointment that magic isn't real, just like learning about Santa Claus. So this is a really roundabout way of saying that once you start to learn how these stories are structured, you want to keep that shit to yourself because it's a repeatable pattern. And like any good magician, 
you know, there's still plenty of skill in the writing of the story, but there is also a structure underneath that is laced through every single story. I mean, you gave the example of finding it really hard to pay attention to what was happening in the movie Dune. Yeah, we recently went to see that, and it was just after I'd kind of consumed this idea, and all I was doing was paying attention scene by scene for the structure. I kept <laughs> gapping out on the actual <laughs> content <laughs> that was on the screen, so there's some chunks there for sure. So exploring this immediately launched us into trying this out in D&D, and weirdly enough, it of course works. It's a tried and true story structure. And this is just the coolest of techniques. And I don't know if I've been as jacked for an episode like this in a long time. Because for me, this is one of those topics that made me just sit back and go, whoa, holy shit, this solves everything. So I'm really excited that we are going to share it with you today. And that you're listening to this episode because I hope that you have the same reaction that I did. Yeah, it's made my prep a lot quicker because it just helps me fill in the blanks. I often find myself having when I'm sitting there before a session thinking like, what's missing? What am I, what am I not remembering to put in here? Or what's going to make it pop? Well, the structure just does it. Does it for you. I like it because it's a great fallback. You know that you're not missing anything, but if you want to layer on some more pizzazz, you're more than welcome to. You can absolutely do that. And personally, for me, I'm just a nerd for systems. Like, I want things to box. I want things to form into repeatable and reliable patterns because it makes my planning simple and easy. Ultimately, I'm really lazy and I like formulas. Fair enough. And I like it because it lets me layer on all of the wild wonders that are just jumbling up my brain meat. Yeah, it's, just, it's a lot up there. So we're going to explore more of that in the strategy stateroom and really break down how this system works. And I can't wait to share it with you. This is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. So, surprisingly, this is actually going to be incredibly simple. The steps that we're going to get into here are the five components of every story. And to give you an overview before we dive in, the first is the hook, which is just the information that pops a story off, gets things going. The challenges, which are the things that come up in an adventure or a story of any sort that put the heroes through the trials. The choice, which is the moment where the hero or heroes has to actually stop and think and make a really important choice that's going to define them as a character. Then you've got the action, which comes right after that, and it's basically them enacting that choice. It's them going through with it, and it's usually the climax of a story. And finally, the aftermath, which is what happens when all the dust settles. Now, I feel like to really keep this in mind, we need some kind of acronym. And I actually like this acronym. Okay. Because it's like you're giving a karate chop to your story. It's a... Ha-cha! <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. I was thinking of more of a bird call. <laughs> so Hook challenges choice action aftermath. It really boils down to just those five steps. And what's really wild about this is that you can apply them to every layer of your game. It goes from as small as just a simple encounter to an entire session to an entire arc or like a side plot. And then all the way up to your entire campaign can be laid out with these five steps. So we're going to go into a lot more detail on each one of these five parts. So let's start with the hook. Yeah, so this is a change that pops things off. Things are cruising along, things are normal, and then something's got to happen, obviously, for a story to come out of it. It creates the question of what is going to happen. See, and I think that's the key piece. A question. A question has to be raised. What could happen? What is going to happen? What are the possibilities? Like, it has to grab the player's attention to want to explore that more. And that's why it's called a hook. And there's actually two types to break it down even further. It's important to understand these two types because then you can alternate between them and avoid accidentally creating predictable patterns in your worlds. So the first of these is a choice. This is the result of an active choice that some character in your world is making, whether it be the NPCs or the PCs. Let's say the butcher your rogue stole from sent agents to hunt down her heirloom, or a hunter approaches you for assistance with an elusive prey. That could be the hook of your story, your short adventure. So what you're saying is, is that something was kicked off via an intelligent creature's personal choice intelligence is intervening in the story. So I'm assuming the second type is opposite of that. The second type is coincidental or chance. So when something random happens in the world, or at the very least unexpected, like let's say there's a criminal that looks just like the party fighter, this is going to cause some trouble. This is one of those like a crevice opened up in the middle of town randomly. Yeah. And again, it's super important to go back and forth between these because it weirdly makes your world feel much more real because if you just go with one and a whole bunch of random stuff keeps happening, that feels weird. It makes the players feel like the entire world is catered to them. When castles are dropping out of the sky right next to them, dragons are just happening for no apparent reason to attack near them or the crevice keeps opening up in town right next to them. Like, it feels like the DM is catering the entire world to them. But when results of their actions sometimes pop up in between there, it makes the world feel a lot more real. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, if you, all you do is respond to the player's choices, then they feel like there's no actual world around them and that they can just absolutely 100% be the authors of this thing. Yeah, but I don't feel like writing good story hooks is necessarily the challenge most DMs face. I feel like we as a collective are pretty good at coming up with how do I interest players? And that's really all we're trying to do here is how do we hook the player's interest into exploring more? Yeah, because we need to get to challenges. These are the complications in the story. 
And there's some things to keep in mind that will help you decide what complications to introduce or even recognize when they're coming from the players. Because again, you can throw random ass complications at them all day, but that's not going to make a good story. I think what we're trying to go for here is this domino effect. And imagine each domino is just slightly larger than the last domino. They encounter a challenge, they solve the challenge. That challenge triggers another challenge, which is a little bit bigger, a little bit more complex, which topples the next one and so on and so forth. So seeing that kind of through line is great. But at the very least, we need several challenges to stand in the way of the players of getting to their eventual choice. Totally. But yeah, that escalation you're talking about, Travis, is crucial. And I think that's exemplified if you think about it done wrong. So yes, a great story gets progressively more complicated. Things are getting more and more tense. It's creating that increase in stakes that you're always looking for. And the alternative is having Spider-Man push to the limit, barely saves Mary Jane from the Green Goblin, and then is late for school, and then comes back back to fight the green goblin like that's just a really weird <laughs> de-escalation of the challenge yeah escalation is ideal if we can't achieve one challenge triggering another challenge then at the very least we can just make sure that the next challenge is just slightly a bigger deal than the first one yeah and there's two types of challenges that you can introduce as well and it's very much related to what we talked about for the hooks so you've got Choice or chance, again, choice for a challenge is where either an NPC or a PC takes an action that changes the direction of the story. Sometimes when the PC does it, this can be the moments that are demanding of you, the DM, to be flexible, to adapt. It's the whole reason we're playing a collaborative game here, not just writing a novel. And this is great because, again, like we previously mentioned, this makes the player feel like they have a real impact on the world. Oh shit, my decision just affected what happened in this world. Yeah. I feel like this world is real. This challenge arose because of what I did. Yes. And the other side of it is chance, and that's where the world provides new information that changes the story. This is like clues in a mystery. When you do your DM prep and you have something going on in the background, it's each time you give a bit of that knowledge to the party. Yeah, this would be like the players are on their way to somewhere and through no choice of their own, they find out that the road is actually blocked and they're going to have to go around or something like that. This is the world throwing new challenges at them as opposed to them triggering something. Yeah. And again, this is what makes the world feel like it is a little bit indifferent to them, like it has its own life. There's things happening here that aren't just all about you, you selfish assholes. <laughs> that's what I like to tell my players. Yeah, that's how you have such wicked DM charisma at the table. <laughs> you just constantly berate your players. Shut things down with my temper, yep. And again, now that we know what the two types are, we can switch back and forth and create a richer world. Because you know that feeling where a game starts to seem repetitive? Well, it's because only one of these is happening. A sandbox-style game is really when just too many of these challenges are character choices. Yeah, it starts to have that, like, Truman Show-esque vibe 
where everything just seems to be placed for the player characters and them alone. Yeah. Whereas the flip side is too many of those chances results in a game feeling too linear, not about anything that the characters are actually doing, just like an unpredictable maelstrom of information. And this is where players start to complain about feeling railroaded, like it doesn't matter what choices they made because the DM has already figured out what the story is. Yeah. So this brings us around to decision. This is where things hit a crossroads. It's where a massive choice comes up for the party to make or the heroes. And typically, in almost every example of this, the characters and the players know there's two paths forward and whichever one they take is going to help define the characters. This is worth spending some time on because that last little bit, that's key, is that it defines the characters in what choice they make. And this usually means that there needs to be a little bit of stakes to it. It's not the decision of, do we take the left or the right path? It is, do we save this person and risk this happening? Yeah. And it's always got to be something a lot richer than between good and bad or life and death. And it's even better when it's worked into the character values. Like if you've got a character that's struggling with their friendship or their growing power, then, you know, put a choice in front of them that makes them choose between those two things. And I don't think we want to give the impression that this always has to be some kind of massive, dramatic, crazy choice. It could be as simple as the choice between two magic items, one that does more damage and one that persuades people better or gives you advantage on, on a skill. But that in and of itself is a choice. Does this character covet power or does it want to be able to interact with the world easier? But those stakes can obviously be scaled up to world-affecting consequences and world-affecting choices that will play out for decades more. So anywhere between there is really a great place to be. So don't necessarily worry about having to craft these incredible choices that are going to stump and confuse players forevermore, because even the small ones hint towards some kind of character development. Absolutely. I mean, consider what your players in character, what their party's been struggling with. Are there some of them that have been leaning more towards the murderous rampage style of play, but others that are trying to convince those characters to walk a more righteous path? Well, a good choice is going to create some amazing roleplay opportunity and help define the party with what decision they make. But let's talk about a couple of different types of decisions so we can guide this in a better direction. Sure. Well, there's a couple of frameworks that help with this. The first is called the best bad choice, where you're in a situation in which there's two options on the table that could both lead to something absolutely disastrous. This is that like Batman choice where the Joker has two people over two different vats of acid. And you're like, oh, no, what's Batman going to do? How are you going to get out of this one? And this is where, yeah, things look pretty dire. Yeah, that's what the Joker did in The Dark Knight. And they tried to not make that decision, Batman and the cops, but they had to in the end. They had the decision forced upon them. I cannot think of a more dramatic twist that happened after that 
to find out who did Batman choose. And this absolutely, like if you think that that didn't have an effect, you weren't paying attention because holy crap, the whole next movie was based on that outcome of that best of the bad choices. Yeah, his decision haunted him. And that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about in this. That's that domino effect. Because if your decisions are really impactful, the next story or the next five that you write, they'll write themselves. Because you can just harvest what you've already created as a group. And the decision that they made, yeah. And then you've got irreconcilable goods, which is a situation in which there's two options that seem like the right thing, but choosing one usually eliminates the other. So an example of a movie that presented the two good options might be a movie like Civil War. And I can't think of a better example of this because they came up with a choice as a premise for the Avengers to say, okay, we've got these two sides of a coin. Both are options and both are kind of good. But the brilliance of how well that was positioned is that it seems like there's only one choice depending on which side of the fence you sit on. Both were great viable options, but not only did that present a really challenging choice for each one of the characters in the film, but also you as a viewer had to kind of decide were you on Captain America's side or were you on Iron Man's side? For that particular choice. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And like you said, every character had to make that choice. Some of it we saw on screen, some we didn't. But yeah, everybody had to deal with which good is the better good. So ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to present a decision for the characters so that we can trigger action based on that decision. Right. And that action step is, I mean, to put it as simply as possible... It's the part that shows the character acting out that choice that they just made. In a movie, this is going to be the climax of the whole movie. It was a big deal to make that choice, and now they have to follow through. And usually that following through is tough. That's why it was a hard choice. I mean, going back to Civil War, this triggered a whole rest of a movie based on this very difficult decision. And now we have all of these things that are now going to happen based on this choice. But these are, yeah, your boss fights and the town gets buried in rubble because you chose not to stop it. So you got to go in and you got to rescue all of the townspeople. Like this is just what happens based on the decision that was just made. Yeah. And then finally, we have the aftermath. And again, super simply, it's the outcome of that action and what happens for everyone that was involved in it. How did it change them? And this is incredibly crucial. Without it, that climax that we just got to, in retrospect, will almost seem pointless. It's really important to spend time on the aftermath. So to draw from that previous example, the town gets covered in rubble. Yeah, you saved a couple of the townspeople, but how many things were lost because of that? And who was impacted? And and this person's going to have to now move out of town because their home was lost. And where, what are you going to do with all of those people? And what I love about the aftermath, this often sets up the next part of your adventure. Hell yeah. So these five steps, hook, challenges, decision, action, 
aftermath. We're going to repeat it so that it is second nature to you because it's got to be if we're going to make this really, really valuable and start to go micro to macro. Like we kind of alluded to earlier, this can be used on any level. You can use it in an individual encounter all the way up to the entire framework of your whole campaign. Haka! As a refresher, <laughs> it's not a bird call. It's like a karate chop. It's a judo chop. Sure, you're judo chopping a bird and it's letting out a call of distress. <laughs> All right. What we're going to do now is we're actually going to break this down and put it into practice. So Jordan and I have both prepared uh, just small encounters. Like on the smallest of scales, we're going to use this framework to build an encounter. So I did mine with uh, just a simple social encounter. Now, I'm thinking the party is going to walk into a general goods store. They arrive in town. They need to replenish their supplies. They go to the general goods store. Now, as soon as they enter, it looks like a hoarder's house. Like they've there's stacks of stuff everywhere, and the counter is unattended. It's just sitting there with a the little bell, um, and they sure they probably are going to ring it or ask, "Hey, what are we doing?" And or they start stealing. Uh, or st <laughs> I mean, if we're expecting. <laughs> The regular action of players, it's to start looting the place. <laughs> Pivot. But the proprietor is going to be rooting around in the back, and they're going to sound kind of like stressed and distracted, and maybe like, oh, we're closed. Uh, come back later. And then she's going to let out this like, oh, oh no. Uh, uh, like she's going to sound like she needs help. Right. We got a problem to solve. We've established our hook. Then what challenges are you going to throw into the mix? Well, because we need that kind of progressive complication one after another after another. First, the players are, if they want to buy anything, they're going to have to get her attention. Uh, and as soon as they do, uh, I do not have time to sell you anything right now. I'm looking for my cat, okay? And it might be in danger it's very, very important to me. It's missing somewhere in the, these stacks. I hope it's still here. So players help deal with that challenge. Yeah. I want to buy some stuff at a good rate. So sure, let's find your stupid cat. And maybe she'll give you a discount or something like that. Obviously, this is a bit of a story hook. So they accept the challenge. Now they have to track the animal down. Now they have to navigate towers and towers of goods that all seem very precarious and probably use some skills to investigate or track this animal down. They find the animal, but now they have this problem that it's underneath a toppling tower of boxes. Like I'm thinking maybe the stack is leaned against the wall and it's looking like a Jenga tower that's ready to go over. You know, the cat is maybe underneath it, but she says, whoa, stop. There's... Something really, really valuable in that top box, and that's why I haven't touched that stack. I'm afraid. I need help. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried that it's going to, like, fall and crash and crumble. We got some organizational issues at yeah. the core of this <laughs> problem. <laughs> Honestly, if this adventure doesn't end with sitting her down and having a nice intervention about her hoarding, I would be very disappointed. Oh, yeah. My party? We'd spend uh, hours fixing the place up real right. So then we need the choice, a crisis of sorts. So 
now the player is going to be faced with the item or the cat. You know, do we do we pull the cat out and let the item crash, or do we grab the item but maybe topple the tower onto the cat? The cat's not coming out, but maybe they figure out a way to save both. Oh yeah, this is where all the funky little spells come in handy, right? Oh, there's like a million. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I, as a DM, am never going to be able to figure out the millions of ways that somebody could possibly solve this puzzle, but I am giving them a choice. And that's the beauty of all of these choices that you can give to your players, is that when they find a solution that takes away the negative side, that's, that's not a bad thing. That's an amazing thing. That's a mini heroic moment in this situation, but it can lead to way greater heroic moments in more dire situations. Well, and I think it also depends on the kind of game that you're playing too, is like, if you want to try to really make things dramatic, this is the difference between Batman as the movie, that it feels very gritty, and what happens to Rachel and Harvey versus the Batman animated series where he's going to swing in and save both of the people dangling over the acid. And you, as a nine-year-old sitting down and watching Saturday morning cartoons, is going to go, yeah, Batman. Yeah. And that's what I like to do to my character, too. Like, I want to see my character succeed. So if I think of a clever solution and you don't give it to me as the DM, I'm going to be pretty pissed. And honestly, it's five to one. In most D&D games, if five people can't outsmart the DM, like, don't feel like you've failed as a DM if they figure out a way to foil your plans. You celebrate with them. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings us to the climax. So they do the thing. They use Mage Hand to hold up the stack, or they use some other spell creatively. Enlarge to... the cat. <laughs> That's a great... <laughs> a great option. That's perfect. They yeah, they cast enlarge on the cat. It's now so big, it's not going to be hurt by the boxes and yeah, that's the action and it can be as simple as that. And then we get to the aftermath. So, now I need to really lay things out for the party. Now, maybe they used animal handling or an animal friendship spell or something like that. I'm thinking the shopkeep says, you know what, that cat's really attached to you. It seems to really like you. It kind of hates me. It keeps hiding somewhere in here. It's causing all kinds of chaos. Uh, it's it's yours if you, if you want them. So now it's a new familiar. If they save the cat and let the item smash, then the cat that they saved actually has like a pearl of power on its collar. And cool, like we got something from saving the cat. Yeah. If they killed the cat i can't imagine this like this, this is terrible <laughs> Don't but like do it. they drop the stack the cat runs off it gets scared and it's never seen again but you manage to save the artifact and it's actually a sentient drift globe or something like that inside the box and i mean honestly or they come up with something that i did not expect and they get their choice somehow i can wing that they finish they managed to get both, or they managed to get neither. Like, whatever the case may be, I I had a loose outline, so I can play with that now. Yeah, yeah. the aftermath can be whatever fits the situation. It doesn't need to be one of the things you pre-planned, that's for sure. And this honestly took me less than five minutes to figure out. This is just a short encounter, 
and it's probably going to last anywhere between a half an hour and 45 minutes if I know my players. Yeah, for sure. So it was super easy because I had the construct ahead of me. The hacha. <laughs> ah! I'm not even doing the right sounds anymore. I'm no, just doing you a bird you're just call. doing a bird call. <laughs> All right, so what did you come up with? Well, I wanted to do kind of a more classic combat encounter and see if this could spice it up a little bit. And guess what? I think it did. So, surrounded by goblins. The hook is you as a party have been creeping through goblin territory and you didn't know if you'd make it unseen. You're trying to get on through to your destination. You've probably gotten the warnings that this place is infested with goblins and it's probably better to go quiet than it is to attract the attention. And so for the challenges, I mean, these challenges are going to come after the goblins find the party. So initiative is rolled. You're in the goblin fight now. Well, you've got the classic goblin challenges that you can throw in here. You've got goblin traps. So there's a tripwire and it's going to spray a whole bunch of nails that are painted like little goblin warriors <laughs> on the party. There's a pit trap that the party is going to fall into. It's disguised with all kinds of leaves and stuff. You know, all the... All the classic goblin hits. Then, because I was thinking, what kind of random chance challenge can I throw in here? Maybe a goblin at some point leaps to a weak branch in a treetop, which snaps and falls onto a flaming arrow that's already been fired in their first volley. Well, now you've got a massive flaming branch between the party members, and they're going to have to figure out how to cross that if they want to, you know, do any strategy. You've made the battlefield that much harder to traverse you've thrown some like you said some random chance at your players yeah and then in an effort to escalate my final challenge could be a goblin quaffs a potion of hill giant strength and starts chucking boulders from down the road oh shit this we did not expect from a goblin fight yeah so then we need a decision for the players to make totally so then this is how i crafted a choice so let's say there's an actual hill giant sleeping against a tree on a nearby hilltop. A small group of surviving goblins starts heading towards the giant to awaken it and recruit its raw killing power. They need it. And as they're going, they're, of course, taunting you from a distance, telling you to huff their butts, telling you how you're <laughs> going to be a tasty kebab for the giant's spear. But at the same time as that's happening, one of the fallen goblins isn't quite out yet, is coughing and sputtering and promises swears on their life and everything they know that if they give this goblin aid, he'll guarantee that the giant won't attack them. He'll talk the giant down. Ooh. And I love this because it gives a polarizing choice. The characters, each one of the characters, not the players, have to make a choice. Is a goblin trustworthy? Yeah. Am I going to do the kind thing here? Or am I just going to try and mop up everyone? I mean, if we know our players, they're all murder hobos <laughs> and they're probably just going to murder everyone anyways. Yes, but at least we tried. But that brings us around to the action. Right, which is going to be one of the two logical options here. The goblins either put up their best final stand as they're struck down or there's a moment of magical kindness and healing. And then an aftermath. So in option A, that giant wakes up but maybe isn't at all aggressive. Instead, they congratulate you on your mercilessness, 
since you just wiped out all of the goblins. And she says she's going to spread word of how ruthless your group is. Nice. I want I want a giant hype man. <laughs> right. They're not going to help you know the, any other way. They're just going to kind of wander off. But they're promising that they're going to tell people that you're a real rowdy crew. Or the goblin you saved becomes an ally. And as the giant comes to crush you, it turns out that the goblin does actually have the sway to convince her not to smash you all to smithereens. So you're immediately rewarded for your faith and your trust in your goblin companion now. And these things just lead to more and more and more adventure. Yeah. Does the party encounter that giant again? Do they find out that, oh my goodness, the next town that we went to, uh, apparently the giant's been there because people were expecting us and they recognized us. Look at that. The choice that we made had an impact on the world. Yeah. Does that goblin now follow you around or scout ahead for you for a while? Like, what happens there? There's so many questions, and it immediately leads to more adventure. Yeah, that's absolutely the most fun part about this whole thing. Something else I realized in creating this little encounter is that the aftermath, while it is important to give some significance to the actions that were taken, it doesn't really matter in some cases what the aftermath is it's the choice that the characters made. Because whether that goblin turns out to be good or not, the characters chose to do the kinder thing. Yeah. That's what matters here. So we hope that was helpful. Obviously, we can use this on an encounter level basis. But like we said, it goes all the way up to the macro. You can use those exact same five steps to outline a whole story. For instance, if your hook was a magic staff that just exists in the mountains. It can make a toilet appear anywhere. <laughs> then we have to throw some challenges in there. You know, they could question the original shopkeep about the location of the temple. That's what she had to give you the entire time, is the actual location of the place. All she was doing is she was being distracted by her cat. Yeah. And now that you've solved that, she'll give it to you. Nice. Then you have to sneak through the woods because that's goblin territory leading into your example. I like it. Then the players have to decide the direction through the mines or up the mountain and then solve the the door puzzle or fight the tunnel troll because these are all these challenges on their way to a choice. Yeah. Each of them's getting harder. Things are ramping up. And now maybe we throw a choice in there like the staff is actually needed by the wizard who hired you. Uh, but it's currently powering a little Zvart town that showed up in the temple. And instead, they offer you riches if you don't take the staff. Yeah. What you're talking about here is reminding me of some of the classic D&D &D modules that were known for being a good story. And all the ones that I can think of right now are the ones that had two factions that both wanted something different, and you had to make a, a powerful, meaningful choice between the two. Well, the classic adventure, the Sunless Citadel, is basically this. Yeah. Well, then you have the action, the climax of your story. You do the thing, whatever, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> Just do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> and then you've got the aftermath. So uh, the wizard that hired you is pissed because you didn't actually bring it back uh, and dogs your party. But... You know what? The Zvart's paid you off, and now you're rich, so go spend it. But you got a pissed-off wizard lurking around some corner. 
or you know it's exactly the same thing we just reverse the roles the wizard is happy but you swear that there's tiny footprints wherever you go there always seems to be ahead of you because you've displaced an entire town of zvarts and they're now looking to topple some canyon on top of your noggin yeah so really the choice here is choose your future enemy, a powerful wizard or 50 little gremlins <laughs> that are running around causing trouble. And we can finally settle the debate as to whether or not a single grown adult person could take on 50 children. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, D&D, for helping us with this. I'm going to find a solution that pits the wizard against the Zavarts and come out on top. Well, there we go. Our players figured out a creative solution. And the point being that this happens whether or not we acknowledge it. Because we can either acknowledge it and direct it and make good choices and tell compelling stories, or we can just not acknowledge it and wonder where some of these pieces might be and not really feel all that fulfilled by the stories that we're telling. Right. If we keep presenting flat choices because we don't know what we're really stumbling through. And it, it just starts to lose that sparkle that we want from our D&D games. So we need to maintain that sparkle. We need to make sure that we're doing this with intention. So one more time, close your eyes, imagine it. Hacha! Hacha! Hook challenges choice, action, aftermath. And speaking of sparkle, thanks to all our sparkly patrons. Indeed. We love you all. You've helped us create an amazing podcast that we're so, so proud of. And we're proud of you for being a part of that. Thank you so much, Michelle T. Stephen V. Alan E. Matthew T. Felix R. Chris F. The Senate. Lucas D. Lila G. The GM Tim. Thomas W. Tyler G. Ty N. Heavy Arms. Eric R. Aldros. Leprechaun. And of course, Will HP. Thank you all so, so much. And did you know that you can join these patrons? We on our Discord have regular hangouts that we do every two weeks. And what I think I've noticed is that people that like this show tend to be people that think kind of the same. They are story over mechanics kind of folks, and they just want to tell good stories. But guess what? There's actually a whole Discord server full of people like that that can help you as a DM, or as a player. Honestly, we have channels for both. And that kind of brainstorming, I don't know. There's something about having a Discord where you can actually sit down and chat through some stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh yeah, like just that brainstorming angle. And what I like most about it is when you drop something in there, you know that one of those wonderful folks reading it is going to have it just linger in their mind and start to infest their day. <laughs> and they're not going to be able to stop thinking about it until they give you something juicy. We hope that you join us on the Discord and consider becoming a patron because you get to support the show if you found any of this content to be super helpful or have impacted your game in any way. Uh, yeah, we would love to see you support the show, but either way, we're going to be here doing our best to come up with more of this same kind of content. Thanks also to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. And please feel free to let us know any of the story-related tips that you've got. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit at Hook and Chance. 
If you've got an idea for another episode that you'd like to hear, you can let us know on that awesome community of players and DMs on that Discord. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and, and let's go chop games. some birds. Pretty sure there's like a, a group of environmentalists that are going to put you on a list. Do it.